Welcome to the Beyond Macros podcast, a show where we teach you about nutrition and the art of working in so you can get the most out of working out. This show is brought to you by us, Beyond Macros. We are a nutrition coaching company creating lasting results for our clients by focusing on habit changes rather than restrictive dieting. I know this time of year is always tough to start creating nutrition changes, but if you're keen to get some momentum going, you should go back and listen to episode 15, read our article on navigating holiday nutrition, and join our macro counting mini course in the show notes at beyondmacros.com slash 17. That's the number 17. If you're loving this podcast, you're going to love the info that we're going to provide to you in the show notes. And you would also make my day if you'd head over to iTunes and leave a review and subscribe to the show. In today's episode, I interviewed Dean McKillop of Flex Success, a bodybuilding and gen pop focused nutrition and training company. Dean was a successful competitive natural bodybuilder, placing second in his first IFBB competition. He is also an expert in strength and conditioning and has a depth of knowledge about nutrition. I was excited about this interview because I've seen that many of the principles CrossFit-focused nutrition programs use, especially for mass gain, have been taken from what works for bodybuilders. Obviously, CrossFit is a much different activity than bodybuilding, so I am on a mission to separate the wheat from the chaff. Bodybuilding has a massive body of knowledge and experience behind it, but is also polluted with bro science. I am determined to learn which bodybuilding principles might apply to people who do CrossFit and your everyday fitness enthusiasts. I also want to learn which bodybuilding principles don't translate. When I heard Dean on the Mind Muscle Project talking about feeding his bodybuilding clients a variety of vegetables, helping his contest prep athletes drop weight slowly, and maintaining their strength, I knew his ideas were going to be worth extracting and sharing. He obviously thinks differently than traditional bodybuilders. With the bodybuilders, we have uh, a minimum requirement that I'll set for total vegetable intake um, and fruit intake for bodybuilders, and then we essentially just tell them to maximize as many colors uh, as possible and remove that thought process that, yes, you can only eat greens when it comes to vegetables. For some unbeknown reason, I don't know even know where that came from or the thought process behind it either. Given the fact that we know that uh, vegetable carbohydrate percentages are all essentially within 3 and 10%, um, typecasting one vegetable as being the best vegetable in my eyes is just a little bit moronic. I don't understand it. See, he thinks differently. That's why I wanted to have a discussion with him about how we can adapt bodybuilding principles for people who do CrossFit. We talked specifically about how to use bodybuilding nutrition and training principles for mass gain and muscle maintenance during a fat loss phase. First, let's start with what Dean believes to be the bodybuilding nutrition principles that us CrossFitters and general fitness enthusiasts can ignore, and then we can dive into what we can learn from bodybuilders. What I guess um, is probably an ill-advised one would be, I probably have two schools of thoughts on this, maybe even three. Bodybuilders have a, in some instances, follow low carbohydrate dieting because they believe it to be the best for fat loss. And that is transferring into performance-based sports where they need to worry less about aesthetics and more about performance. And I think CrossFit's probably been caught in the, in the crosshairs there of focusing hard on aesthetics and performance when they probably need to focus more on performance and a little bit less on the aesthetic side of things. And 
also the bodybuilding world pushing the benefits of a potential high fat diet for a bodybuilder for fat loss may be beneficial, but I don't foresee it being an optimal diet for a crossfitter. So that whole sort of overconsumption of fats, overconsumption of protein that impact a poor macronutrient split, transferring into CrossFit that would do far better on a higher carbohydrate-based diet, in my opinion at least, that's probably something that the bodybuilding world has, has forced upon everybody, not just CrossFit, unfortunately. As we continue to share stories of specific client cases where low-carb actually did work, he made a point that really resonated with me and I wanted to share. I think some people just always want to try and change physiology by having a, a new and fun excitable way to to create this athlete that apparently didn't exist prior when we know that the the standard principles still apply for the large majority of people and it's the small population guys and girls that may need some more specificity to that kind of shifting things like you said you've got a guy there that's done very well whether it's because he's psychologically uh wired to expect greater results on low carb and a little bit of that stress of reduction in food is positive for him in regards to motivation or this is the beauty, I think, of nutrition and specificity to individuals is you really can use any diet provided that diet is suitable to the client and allows them to get the most consistent benefits long term. The other thing that bodybuilders do that Dean believes is not wise for general population and even competitive CrossFitters is food choice restriction. Bodybuilders or the traditional bodybuilder focuses far too heavily on food type orientated diets where they mislabel particular food groups as good, bad, or indifferent. And I think that has transferred far too much into general pop, uh, whether they do CrossFit, general exercise, group training or not. Um, we have a lot of these general pop people now that are fo- following these really boring, non-nutrient diverse diets, believing that they're the best way to do them because we have bodybuilders who are neurotic and willing to suffer to achieve a particular result when we know that gen pop generally are not willing to suffer to the same extremity as a bodybuilder. And that's why they look and feel the way they do versus what a bodybuilder does. So that that food type approach from a bodybuilder, I think, is, is inherently negative. Funny enough, CrossFit HQ has always advocated the zone diet, which does not restrict food choices. It just controls quantity. But the CrossFit community has, for some reason, traditionally embraced the restrictive food choice behaviors like paleo and recently keto and bulletproof, while pushing aside quantity considerations. It's only recently we've seen macros and quantity get the consideration it deserves. With that said, Dean does see the positive impact the food choice restricted programs have had. In saying that, though, the I suppose the the push towards eating more of your uh, less calorically dense foods that bodybuilding diets traditionally promote being high protein, lean meats, high vegetable intake, despite it being just one or two vegetables, is definitely something I think that can improve anybody's body composition and health just by minimizing the amount of processed intake that they have uh, and getting active. So there are some, I think, positives from it in the general scope of things, but then when you really get into the specificity side of things, it's it can become over-neurotic for everybody. And I think uh, neurotics, behavior like that is, is more than likely going to fail you long-term. So for the general population, following some of the bodybuilding diet principles, like high vegetable intakes and eating lean meats, are simple rules that will help improve body composition. The basic rules are sound, but will fail you in the long term when taken to the extreme of neurotic diet accuracy and heavily restricted food choices. 
With that said, he does believe for the performance-oriented CrossFitter or competitive athlete that the obsessive facet of bodybuilding diets has its merits. I think the one thing that bodybuilders do very well, given their neurotic behavior, is diet accuracy and adherence and attention to detail. That is one thing that I've found is probably a little bit removed. Not, not so much now, but definitely when CrossFit started to boom a couple of years ago, the attention to detail to nutrition, the whole concept of weighing and measuring food and tailoring carbohydrate content to your actual performance requirements was quite lacking. And instead it was coincided with uh, more of a food type orientated diet. Um, and getting back to sort of, you know, eating new, maximally nutrient dense foods and staying away from the, the calorically dense stuff when in actual fact, they can probably deal with a little bit more calorically dense food to try and actually get the calories they require in. So I think that neurotic perfectionist approach to a bodybuilder is always great for an athlete if they're able to apply in a, in a specific fashion to their sport. Now, I want to move on from the general principles and look specifically at how bodybuilders approach mass gain, fat loss, and recovering from contest prep to see what ideas translate to your goals as a CrossFitter. First, I asked Dean if somebody came to him wanting to gain mass while doing about five CrossFit classes per week, how might he approach helping that athlete put on muscle? The one principle that we always ask them to at least maintain is to have a, uh, a three primary lift focus uh, that they still focus on achieving some form of physical progression on. Um, so like if you were in, in the CrossFit world, it would be something like your dead, your front squat and your overhead press. Um, and I would put a high importance factor on them having a test and retest ability on those particular three lifts and ensuring that their intensity over time is being able to go up or their strength for repetitions is going up. This is also how Dean makes sure his bodybuilding contest prep athletes are maintaining as much muscle as possible during their fat cuts. I find the more you can maintain your relative performance on your major lifts, so for them again it might be the front squat, the overhead press and a a deadlift, if they can maintain their performance in that, the likelihood is that muscle loss is going to be far smaller. And I think a regression, a great, uh, sorry, a regression in performance is a good indicator of poor diet or poor, poor programming. So we need to then address either of those two and, and figure out why. I dove a bit more into the details of how to approach hypertrophy or muscle gain from a lifting perspective. Dean shared that volume over time, so how many total reps can you get in, is probably the most important factor, but it's not the only factor. Even though volume is is uh, typecast as the number one indicator of if you can increase volume over time, you will also increase LBM. I think frequency of stimulation and also intensity progression are both equally as effective for particular populations. So I'm not a person that is necessarily typecast to believing that you can't grow muscle doing uh, reps of six or reps of three or even reps of 25 for that matter. Um, I'm more so of just the progressional model and whichever repetition level uh, or repetition amount, I should say, and whichever modality of training allows you to continue to progress over time in conjunction with the other workouts that you need to do to maintain your CrossFit performance, I think that's probably the best. As we continue to talk, though, it appears increasing volume of repetitions for CrossFitter might potentially cause more harm than good. So long as that volume isn't done at an intensity level that's going to uh, facilitate more fatigue than absolutely yes, which is very difficult for a CrossFit athlete, I think, to do because the mindset of a CrossFit athlete is to generally go to the limit. 
And it's pretty hard to get people to auto-regulate their, their rate of perceived exertion when they're athlete-orientated to always go until they break. After establishing that additional volume could be difficult for people doing CrossFit, I asked him to tell us more about the other two principles, frequency of stimulation and progression of intensity. So then, yeah, it would be trying to 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 trying to achieve a progression in intensity being you are getting absolutely stronger for that particular lift, um, or it would be messing around with uh, frequency of stimulation. So maybe they do less volume, but they keep the actual work intensity high, and they stimulate a particular group of muscles that may be uh, lacking, that's limiting their performance in CrossFit as well. That might be hit between two and four times a week as opposed to once or twice or whatever it may be. When I was focusing on improving weightlifting at Waxman's gym, my coach identified that my biceps were lacking in strength and the weak link and pulling the barbell up high. This makes sense given that before the functional bodybuilding craze, bicep curls were traditionally anathema in CrossFit. So I started hitting curls, chin-ups, and bicep-focused pulls multiple days per week. Didn't do a ton of reps, but this allowed me to get the muscle stronger and it grew larger without so much volume that it ruined my ability to perform in the major lifts, the snatch and the clean and jerk. I think identifying these weak links and focusing your hypertrophy efforts there has the added performance benefit in CrossFit. I digress though. Let's get back to Dean and see what we can learn from bodybuilding nutrition principles to help us gain muscle mass. He told me a calorie surplus is the primary factor, but he would add in some supplementation to improve the performance factor to force the progression principle of mass gain. Creatine, most efficacious ergogenic aid on the market, I think for realistically 90% of people are going to see some benefit. Um, Creatine being a a phosphocreatine performance enhancer, anyone that's working in that maximal effort, 1 to 10 repetition range, absolute strength side of things is going to get an improvement factor from creatine um, and knowing that progressive overload, volume accrual, uh, intensity progression, or even frequency of, of uh, performance enhancement being the three major training modalities to improve hypertrophy over time, creatine is really going to help facilitate uh, that progression. And then as a, a coupling agent, citrulline malate is really the same, except that allows you to sort of push a little bit more into the strength endurance, uh, anaerobic glycolytic, lactic acid based sort of approach in that your work capacity can go up. So I think they're a nice little uh, a combo product. You could throw a bigger alanine in there potentially as well, um, more so for that lactic acid uh, removal side of things and improving lactate threshold and anaerobic capacity. But um, I like them because they have some decent science to show that they're efficacious in their application. And that application is performance enhancement over time, which is exactly what everybody should be focusing on. In addition to learning about the mass gaining principles that translate from bodybuilding to CrossFit, we dove into mass maintenance principles during a bodybuilding contest prep, which involves dropping body fat into the range you can count on one hand. As we just discussed, maintaining or progressing your performance on your three main lifts is a good indicator that you are maintaining or gaining muscle. But sometimes on a deficit, Dean sees that athletes create an unnecessary mental block to performance. I've seen the same. Of course, there is a a nutritional aspect towards your performance in that if you're adequately fueled, you should always be able to perform quite well. But there's a lot of mental to it as well where people just assume because they're eating less, they can't perform as well. And they they just essentially give up. And don't mentally commit to the performance aspect. So um, I think that's also something worth mentioning, mentioning when it comes to a deficit is that 
Um, you're not that you're not that special of a snowflake in that you will go backwards because you're eating less food. You just need to acknowledge that your energy levels are going to be a little bit lower. You may need to take a little bit longer of a break, but your capacity to actually be strong is still there um, up into a really big overreaching point. I do want to point out that CrossFitters are more apt to overreaching than bodybuilders in my experience. The culprit is that in CrossFit, you regularly perform until exhaustion. Going to redline day in and day out with ever-increasing training volumes, especially for competitors, can cause this overreaching or overtraining if you're not in tune with yourself as an athlete. This is why I don't put any of our competitors on a deficit during tough training blocks. The last thing I need is an athlete suffering from adrenal exhaustion during the open and regionals prep. I digress again. From a nutritional perspective, Dean also has some insight for maintaining muscle on a fat loss focused calorie deficit as a CrossFitter. I would be more inclined for that particular person to shift protein to a, a slightly higher level around that two and a half to 2.7 grams per kilogram. If the deficit is super severe and it doesn't impact your ability to uh, still consume an adequate amount of carbohydrates, you may push it towards the three grams just for the purpose of satiety. Um, and having a little bit more uh, security, I suppose, behind you. But then ensuring you have adequate carbohydrates is more more indicative of preventing muscle loss for a high-intensity athlete than, than protein itself. We covered a lot in this episode, so I made a point of putting a bullet point outline in the show notes at beyondmacros.com slash 17. That's the number 17. If you want to learn more about Dean, Check out his episodes on the Mind Muscle Project podcast at flexsuccess.com.au or on Instagram at Dean McKillop. While you're there, you can also sign up for our free macro counting mini course and check out our episode or article on navigating your nutrition during the holidays to get you through this next month. Next week, I am introducing you to the concept of the pleasure monkey life with no other than Connor Moore of the Pleasure Monkey podcast. It is a fun and insightful episode you won't want to miss. I might even get vulnerable on there. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and I will see you next week.